At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'm Laura Youngkin of The Brave Millennial. This is Lars Helgeson, CEO of GreenRope and author of CRM for Dummies. I'm Allison Bloom-Festock, the founder and CEO of Know Your Crew. This is Brad Van Dam, president and CEO of Marge Confectionery. And you're listening to High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. Hey, and welcome to episode 30, High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. I am your host, Chris Williams. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is now season two. You heard the first episode of season two uh, last week. This interview is going to be just as impactful because the CEO I am interviewing today is not only a Gen X CEO. So this is more of that bonus conversation that we talked about back in season one. But more importantly, she is working alongside a millennial and has for now a few years in her company. It is the coolest partnership that I had heard about and so unique that I thought this is a great fit for our executives and our millennials who are budding in their career alike to be able to listen to someone who has partnered with someone from a younger generation to continue to grow and build their company. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about News Generation Inc., of course, and I'm also talking about the CEO who is a Gen Xer, Susan Abgood. Now, News Generation Inc. is very unique because they provide earned media relations services. So most of their clients help on radio media tours, satellite media tours, audio news releases and public service announcements. You name it. They make sure that they get the word out there. And I love their tagline. It basically says two things, delivering content and facilitating conversation. This company is amazing. And today's interview is also just as amazing because you are getting an opportunity to not only hear from Susan, but you're also going to hear from Kelsey O'Planick. Now, Kelsey has been working alongside Susan for a couple of years now, and I absolutely enjoyed talking with them. So I don't want to spoil it. I'm going to give over the interview to them. Take a listen to this opportunity that I had with Susan and Kelsey as they share with you not only about news generation, but what is it like to have a Gen Xer and a millennial helping to run a company? Take a listen. Ladies, how are you today? 
Doing great. Thanks, Chris. How are you? I doing well. So, so Susan, I, I, here's what I would like to do. Um, I know I, I talked a little bit about who you are, but uh, before I let you kind of talk about and share with the audience how you even got started with this company and where did you start from? Kelsey, you have a very unique relationship with the leader of your organization and News Generation Inc. So I want you to kind of talk a little bit about yourself, uh, how you even got started with this company. And more importantly, what is it like having a relationship with a leader who is a Gen Xer, but running the company and then you being a younger person working with her side by side to build this company? Sure, sure. And thank you so much for having us, Chris. Um, I think uh, a little bit about myself. Um, my name is Kelsey O'Planick. I do uh, marketing and client engagement here at News Generation. Um, and I, I think it's it's kind of interesting. Um, after grad school, I, I had a job um, doing something kind of unrelated, but kind of got me in the area of D.C. I wanted to be. Um, but I sort of knew it wasn't ultimately uh, what I had wanted to do with my career. Um, and I was taking a walk one day at lunch and saw the sign for News Generation. Um, thought it was interesting. Wrote a note to myself on my phone to check it out when I got home that night. Um, so I, I did that. I, I went to Google and I, I searched News Generation and I found the site. And I was like, you know what? This is perfect. It's 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 public relations, but you have to have you know journalism knowledge and and a love of journalism and storytelling. Um, they weren't hiring, uh, but I just decided, you know, this is the company I want to work for. Susan is the woman that I want to work for. So I just uh, put together my portfolio, wrote a letter to Susan, and dropped it off uh, a day or two later at the office. Um, and Susan, you know, got in touch with me a couple weeks later, and, and I came in and we had a conversation, and then a couple months later I was working here. So I think that just sort of shows, um, you know, don't be afraid to go after what you want. Um, and I think working here, uh, it's been about four years now. Wow. Wow. So, so Susan, let me turn to you for a second, because you're at the helm of an amazing company that does a lot of work around what I see, you know, as as messaging, helping people, making sure that their message is sticking with their companies. And and I noticed that a lot of your clients kind of work with you on media tours, uh, audio releases and and kind of your your PSAs, your public service announcements. So, you know, take us back for a second, Susan. What, mm-hmm. what where were you? Did you did you kind of start, you know, in a corporate career and decided to start your own company? You know what? Tell us a little bit about that, that walk that you've had and how you even came to to be at the helm of such a company like this. Sure. I uh, graduated from college and I worked on Capitol Hill my last year of college and then a year out of college and realized that I always knew I would go to grad school. So I realized that if I was going to get my MBA, I couldn't work full time on the Hill as I was. So I took a part-time job at a communications firm, uh, just answering phones and doing a, a little bit of media outreach for this company. And it was, it was through a person that I knew from when I was a, a page on Capitol Hill during my high school years. And so I worked for this company that um, delivered content, uh, but back then it was sort of the early to mid-90s, so it was a little bit more marketing-based rather than public affairs and issue-based. And at the same time, I got my MBA and I was going to school at night and uh, nearing my graduation and two things happened. Uh, One was the company that I was working for was in uh, poor financial shape. 
So we had issues like our paychecks would bounce and our vendors would cut us off. And so it was a very unstable work environment. And while I was transitioning and, and looking for my, my next career move, a client uh, who happened to be from Microsoft came to me and said, Susan, I, I know you're going to get an MBA job when you graduate in May, uh, but I just wanted to let you know that if you ever thought about starting your own company, we would come with you. So I thought, wow, here I was, you know, 26 years old, 27 years old, just about to graduate, and they um, were offering me this great opportunity, or actually one person within Microsoft was offering me this great opportunity. And so I still kind of looked for those MBA-type jobs, but at the same time was working on a business plan for how to make a go of starting my own public relations agency. Wow. And yeah, and so um, the, the business plan kept evolving, and I found I was working on it two and three hours a night when I was home. And, and uh, so my mom, who is very entrepreneurial and has started and purchased and sold businesses, uh, throughout her career, said to me, just you know, she said, send me the plan. I, you know, Dad and I just want to look it over, and so I sent it to them. And I needed a bottom line just to keep the company, just to get it up and running, and get office space and pay a few people for the first 90 days. I needed fifteen thousand four hundred and thirty dollars, and that was kind of the conclusion for my business plan. And a couple of days later, in the mail, I received a check in that exact amount, uh, and on the memo line, it just said, go for it. Wow. So I was very <laughs> fortunate that I had that financial means, which really $15,000 is not a ton of money. I was very conservative. I, For my whole first year in business, I didn't pay myself a dime. I had overpaid my mortgage, so I didn't have to any financial obligations. So sure, I was very sure. finance-based, and I always have been. And uh, so that's how News Generation was born. And that was in August of 97 that we officially opened our doors. Wow. So so one of the things that I like about um, our conversation prior to this interview and, and, and what I've been able to see about what you all do is I, I love the line of delivering content and facilitating conversation. Talk to me about where you have seen that shift being, uh, I would say, more realized in the last probably at least 10 years or so with so much uh, digital uh, being available at the snap of a finger. How, how have you seen, you know, delivering that content and also being able to facilitate conversation with so much technology out there today that it seems like, honestly, within 10 seconds, uh, you know, you can go through five different apps with four different things that you've seen. How are you able to help your clients, you know, make those messages stick and keeping people engaged in the conversation? Sure. So when we first uh, launched our company, it was all about the stations and the reporters and getting the content to them so that they could tell our story and they could sort of amplify what we were doing. So this interview would go on within us, uh, someone from our spokesperson's team or, and then the reporter. And then that message would go out. Traditionally, it would be pushed out to radio and television. And what's happened in the last five to ten years is it's not so much about the medium anymore. It's about the conversation and having access to that conversation. 
So the conversations are taking place no matter what. It's just we want to be able to capture them and allow as many people who want to hear that conversation, the, we want to give them the ability to hear it. So a lot of that is still done through traditional media, but some of it is done on Twitter feeds and through Facebook and other social sites. So a lot of times our interviews or our, our storytelling by our spokesperson will start off as a conversation maybe between a reporter and the spokesperson, sure. but then it ends up having a lot more legs because it's such an interesting conversation that people want to continue it. And even though radio and, and television are more, much more so the older mediums, of course, than, than social media, uh, they still have the power to start the conversation. And what we do is we work as hard as we can to facilitate the conversations between the right people and, and then have people that need to hear it, hear it or see it. And, and the way that we do that is we provide the, the platform for those discussions to take place. Now, what's shifted in our, in our industry in the last 10 years is where that conversation is taking place. And so that's what we are constantly working to make sure that those things are all happening in the correct place for the correct amount of people, the right amount of people to hear the conversations. Absolutely. Now, listen, I, I know this is a, a statement that I'm sure you probably have heard before and there's, you know, um, uh, lots of different feelings behind it. But as you know, as a Gen Xer, most people would say mm -hmm. you are the sandwich generation, right? Yeah. <laughs> so when you talk <laughs> about messaging, and I would love to hear from both you and Kelsey on this, um, you talked about hearing it. Do millennials and baby boomers hear messaging differently? And, and why is that? Well, I think, and I can speak for Gen Xers uh, and, and baby boomers, because uh, I sort of came into the workforce. Uh, as we know, Gen X is a sort of a small sandwich generation. Uh, and, and so we're the generation in between the baby boomers, who I think are very traditional in the way that they receive their news. They still like the, the printed copy and the longer form news programming. And millennials, and Kelsey can definitely talk to this, like sort of the shorter snippets. And then if they want to get more in depth, they want to have that ability to be able to do that. And I think Gen Xers are somewhere in the middle. We are not digital natives. We didn't grow up having uh, email on our smartphones and, and having access to every app. But I think that we are the generation that really got to know how to use technology in an efficient way. Uh, and even though it wasn't sort of in our um, fabric of, of how we were brought up professionally or, and, and in our schools as well, like through high school and college and, and grad school. It was not part of our everyday, but our adaptability is, is extremely strong. So I'll let I would, Kelsey talk a yeah. little bit about millennials. No, I would definitely agree with that. And I think another point would be, you know, I think people hear the messages they can hear the same message. I think one thing that's different is sort of then what do you do with that message? Um, and I think that that varies by generation. So, you know, it, this could be for what we do where if you're listening to the radio and you hear an interview, that sort of the call to action, what you're supposed to do next, you know, something might appeal to a millennial that would not appeal to a baby boomer. So a millennial, you could probably have tweet their congressman or 
uh, do something a little, little bit more digitally focused, whereas a baby boomer might uh, prefer to write a letter or uh, you know, make the phone call to the to the office. Um, so I think it's just sort of it's it's tailoring um, sort of what the next steps are based on um, generational differences. Now, I would definitely say that uh, most CEOs, I would even say some CMOs, um, in a lot of companies today struggle with um, the call to action for either their consumer. Or I would even say internally, because there's internal messaging and storytelling just as much so as there is external, you know, messaging and storytelling to their customer. How would how would how would news generation, I would say, or how would you two individually look at that? And and why do you feel companies today struggle with putting the right messaging and the right call to actions together is it is it is it more of just because they're so focused on the medium in which they're using or is it they're really struggling with understanding what's the best way to communicate whatever they're they're trying to get done what what kind of things do you do you see in the work that you all do well, I think one big thing that we see is there are all these new technologies and new ways to facilitate conversation. So it's the shiny new object that I think everybody tries to jump on that bandwagon because they, they don't want to be left behind. And so even though Snapchat might not be an application that works for an organization, they're going to try it because everybody else is doing it. And I think what organizations really need to do is take a hard look at where they get the most um, return on their investment. And the investment doesn't have to be money. It, of course, can also be time. And where they're staying most true to their audience. So there are a lot of organizations that might reach, let's say, the 50 or 55-plus audience, and they are on Snapchat. Well, those two messaging groups don't align together. So I think it's important to know where your audience is and to sort of listen to the conversations there before you, you jump in. And so I, I think that technology definitely gets people headed in a lot of different directions instead of saying, staying focused on what their tried and true message is and who their audience and who their advocates are. Absolutely. I Go and ahead, I think internally, um, internally also in terms of, of communication, I think there's often a, a, a misunderstanding or a misperception of millennials that millennials don't want sort of that in-person um, engagement with their coworkers or that sort of team mindset that we'd rather work solo and, you know, just have our, our earbuds in and be listening to music all day and not engage with anybody. But I think that that's very far from the truth. I think that perhaps it's shifted. I think with, you know, virtual teams becoming more and more prevalent, it doesn't mean that people don't want to have that engagement. You know, there's Skype, there's GoToMeeting, there's so many different ways to keep that um, and I think whether you're in the same office, whether you're not in the same office, um, don't just assume that, that millennials don't want that engagement because um, I think relationships are really at the core of, of business success. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so let's shift focuses here because I, I'm, I'm really interested in, 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 in your thoughts on the workplace today. So we know that there are many shifts in um, 
in appetites for what millennials bring to the table when it comes to the workplace. We know that there's uh, a change in what I would consider the the guard of leadership and and what does that mean for over the next 10 or 15 years uh, for for companies here in America and companies around the world. So, Kelsey, I'll kind of start with you, with you on this. What do you think are some of the major impacts that millennials are having on the workplace today, whether they be, you know, positive or negative is not necessarily the, the, the idea there. But what do you think are some of the impacts that that are different today than you think they probably were, uh, you know, 20 years ago, maybe? Sure. Um, well, I think just, you know, one thing, and, and anybody can be creative, but I think that, you know, millennials might bring, based on the experience that they've had with um, computers and, and digital growing up, maybe a different layer of creativity that hasn't been been brought yet or a different way of, of thinking about things and especially how to use digital platforms and maybe that's sort of pinning millennials into a box. But I do think that it's an asset that, that they sort of you know, we sort of grew up with, and, and people younger than me too, especially grew up with, um, you know, perhaps more than, than older generations did. So I think that that's definitely a big thing. And I think, you know, millennials are very socially minded um, and want to know what the the end goal is. And they want to know what work is this doing to better the community or, or uh, make the world a better place. And so I think, you know, um, relaying that uh, to millennials and sort of what's the end goal and how are we helping people? Um, that's definitely, I think, a focus uh, that millennials have. Absolutely. And and Susan, here here's the other side of that question that I'd love to ask you as a Gen Xer. Why is it that we hear so much conversation about millennials and baby boomers and how they're all retiring and how millennials are, you know, taking over and all these other mm-hmm. things that we hear in the workplace? Why don't we hear anything from your personal opinion on the Gen Xers and and where they are? And why do you think there's so much more conversation about the two sides and not the, you know, the Gen Xer sitting in the middle? I think the biggest thing is that we're such a small generation. There's only 12 years that you can be landing into a Gen Xer. And I think baby boomers are about 20 years as are millennials. And uh, so I think that that's a big part of it. And I think also, I, I recently read an article about how Gen Xers are just, we're just workers. Like we just want to get stuff done. Um, we're not as into um, recognition of things or we're, we're just not um, big enough in numbers to sort of shift the needle. But I, I think that we are sort of the this in-between generation that does work very hard and silently gets a lot of stuff done. Absolutely. So I think that those are those are probably some of the the bigger reasons. Uh, and I, um, you know, I'm teaching at American University, and so the students that I have this year are the first of Gen Z. Uh, so it was very interesting to see that. Um, you know, to see that shift into the new generation. And my children, I have 11-year-old uh, and 10-year-old twins, and they're part of that generation as well. And so some of them are parents, uh, their parents are Gen Xers, some are, uh, probably a few are baby boomers, and then some are millennials. So it's, it's a very interesting way to uh, observe. And I think that also a lot of the millennials are 
products of baby boomers. Um, so I, I think that you know my parents are on sort of the early end of the baby boomers, um, and and I think the generation before that is is actually called the silent generation. Uh, and so I, I think that I was brought up to just work hard, you know, provide a great service for the payment you're receiving as as an employee. Um, it, it wasn't uh, a lot of, you know, you have to get recognition for this or you have to be at the, the, um, the top of the class or you have to, uh, you know, earn this title. It was just more about the actual work being done that was ingrained into me growing up and, and as I watched my parents when they went through their, their professional lives before they retired. Absolutely. Now, now here's the thing about what you just said, which I find very interesting. I had an opportunity to talk to a a CEO who whose uh, episode will definitely air in the future here. But one of the things that he said to me, to your point, was that um, he was definitely a worker. He raised mm-hmm. his kids to be a worker, mm-hmm. but he said that the reverse actually happened to his children. They saw how hard he worked Mm -hmm. and how much he worked and how much that impacted the time or the lack of time that he was able to commit to his family. And they wanted no parts of it. And so now that they're Mm -hmm. in the workforce, they resist anything that looks like, you know, uh, 10 to 14 to 16 hour days. Right. Mm -hmm. So so do do you think that some of that has also played into a factor of uh, of why millennials approach the workplace the way they do? Absolutely. I do think that that's true. And and I think the luxury that millennials have uh, and all of us have right now in the in the workforce. But since a lot of them are just starting their careers is that tech, there's so much technology now that saves time and saves money. So you can do a lot more things in eight hours than you used to be able to do 20 years ago. I mean, I remember the days when I first started this company and we had dial-up internet. And even just logging on just to go through the modem, it would take a good six or seven minutes. Oh, yes, and the now wonderful AOL CD. Exactly. <laughs> and now you're online in, in 20 seconds. So already you're saving six minutes a day and just, you know, chunk that out throughout the day. And there's, there's so much more opportunity to be productive. And I think that there are some Gen Xers there. Are, I mean, there are some baby boomers, of course, and there have been some millennials who haven't grasped onto technology. So I don't think it's as much about the generation as it is about the ability to embrace technology. Absolutely. So, so Kelsey, let me ask you this question. Um, you now have a relationship with a older leader of a company who's doing some amazing work for their clients. But as you mentioned, when you first kind of came in the door, you kind of just started out where you were. What has it been like to work with a Gen Xer um, in this capacity and 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 not only just, you know, working and, and, and kind of doing the everyday day in and day out things. But what have you even been able to take from her approach to work or working with clients or the things that you have had that has been kind of maybe some aha moments to you throughout your career? Sure. Um, and I don't know, you know, how much of this I'm, I'm 
I know a lot of it is just the way that she was raised and the person that she is. I don't know how much is, you know, due to the fact that she's a Gen Xer, but I think that it's just the way that she runs her company. And I think anybody who works here would, would say the same thing, um, that it's very, um, you know, she cares about us more than just what we bring to the table professionally. Um, you know, she cares about all of us personally. She knows the details about the house I'm buying. You know, it's that sort of sort of close-knit um, group um, and employee base here. Um, and I think in terms of the way she works with clients has taught me, you know, you don't have to be this kind of swarmy, gross sales guy who you might picture. You know what I mean? Like right. it's, it's, it's just about relationships and it's about being a good person and providing good work and being honest and being open and, and being available to clients. And, and it just sort of happens organically. I know a lot of work goes into it, obviously, but it's, it's based on relationships and it's based on trust that she's been able to build with clients over the past 20 years. The fact that our first client is still a client today, 20 years later, I think speaks a lot um, to the leadership style that, that Susan brings that sort of trickles down then to, to all of us. Absolutely. So then that actually is, is a perfect segue into another question, Susan, for you. How is it you're able to attract a younger audience of talent into your company? Well, for me, it's not, it, it's not so much about the age. It's uh, about the ability and the willingness to work hard. I think that there are a lot of things that are teachable and, and trainable, but I think it's, it's having that something that you, you just know somebody has inside of them, which is Sometimes it's hard to come out uh, during an interview, and I've certainly misfired on this. Uh, but usually if people culturally don't fit here, they don't stay, and whether we ask them to leave or they leave on their own um, is, uh, is something that we, we sort of have this culture of hard work and, and determination, and I honestly don't ever think about people's age uh, as much as I think about their ability to connect and to get things done uh, in an efficient way. You know, employees, uh, you know, not to sound crash, but they're an investment. You have to make sure that you're getting out more than you're putting in. <laughs> and, you know, I tell my business students this all the time. And, and I think to, to a lot of people that it sounds very harsh and also very um, unhuman resource like uh, but <laughs> but it's true I mean it, it really is like why would you ever have buy a computer that doesn't actually do what it's supposed to do of course Absolutely. you return it right so I, I think that um, just people understanding that we have that type of culture and people who are really good at rising in that type of culture do really well here and so I think it's more about ability than it is about about age and I think that um, someone like Kelsey is she's very uh, wise when it comes to the world of business way beyond her years and uh, that's something that I saw in her in even the way that she delivered her resume to us uh, so there are lots of little telling things that I uh, watch people uh, um, on that they might not think I am and um, and I think that I can tell a lot more from actions 
uh, during an interview or in the everyday working world, and, and then I know who I can rely on and lean on and really trust when when I need them. And I think also Krista Susan's point, you know, there are certain things, again, it doesn't matter how old you are, but if you're punctual, if you follow through on what you say you're going to do, um, if you're respectful both to people younger than you and older than you, if you're dependable, like these are the, you know, some of those I think intangible traits that, that have no, you know, it does not matter if you're 65 or if you're 19. Um, mm-hmm. These are just the things that you can see and, and determine if, if it's a good culture fit. Absolutely. And those are great things. And so I guess the the thing that stands out for me about what you all are talking about is really a matter of perspective and how intentional you are um, about your own personal career and or even the rela- the types of relationships that you're building. And so I kind of think about this, Susan, a lot. Um, and it's cool to for you to be my first Gen X guest. Um, <laughs> what, what kind of what kind of misconceptions are sitting out there about being a Gen Xer that maybe you'd actually like to speak to when it comes to, you know, uh, the the world of being a leader and or working with a, a leader who's a Gen Xer? But what are some of those misconceptions that maybe sometimes you hear and you kind of grit your teeth about because you're like, that's not really true? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think probably the biggest thing is is about technology and about uh I think there are a lot of Gen Xers who are on board with technology and are actually, they can understand the higher level reasons for certain technologies. Uh, So it becomes more of a strategic thinking um, rather than something that's tactical that you just do because everybody else does. So I think Gen Xers have a really great way of uh, problem solving. And I'm, of course, generalizing, overgeneralizing here, but in terms of problem solving, um, because we do, we are sandwiched between two very distinct generations and we're sort of the, the meld in between. And so we have, to, I feel like we are very relatable um, because we have the digital knowledge, but we're not digital native. So, um, I think probably one misconception is that people don't think that we are as up on technology as we truly are. Uh, I think that's that's probably a, a, a misconception. Um, and that, um, gosh, I'm trying to think of some other things because there are some, uh, you know, things I can think of that are distinctive. Oh, I, th- I think another thing is um, Gen Xers are, are people who stay until the job is done. And I... Um, Again, for my peers on the other side, the baby boomers are, I feel like, very much, um, you know, here's, here's the time I put in, it's 5.15, I, time to go, and I feel like on the other side, um, a lot of millennials do that as well, where it's like they, they watch their parents sort of work themselves too much, and they decided that they weren't going to do that. Um, and, and I feel like Gen Xers are a little bit different in that way in that we um, find time to work smart and sort of close loops and make sure that everything is done before we walk out the, the door at the end of the day or when we loop up, uh, you know, close up a project. I, I feel like we are really good finishers, if that's a, a, a way, to, way to put it. 
Absolutely. And I think that's great. And I think those are those are some really, uh, you know, it goes back to your earlier point. I mean, uh, Gen Xers are known for working hard and just getting it done at the end mm-hmm. of the day. So um, w- when you talk about, you know, just um, how millennial engagement is impacting the C-suites of our companies now, because anybody who is anywhere between 25 to 35 uh, is now able to see opportunities beyond just being that individual contributor. They are able to get to a place where, um, you know, they can now, you know, go into mid to senior level management into executive areas. I'm curious on on both of your parts here about this. What do you think um, is going to be the the difference that we will probably see in a lot of our companies, especially as it relates to your industry when it comes to talking about digital content and and messaging? How do you think companies are going to be different with millennials being the CEOs as opposed to a baby boomer when it comes to actual messaging? It's a good question. <laughs> yeah, that is a good question. Um, I, I, I think one thing is um, that millennials in general tend to have many different careers or jobs along the way, whereas baby boomers tend tended to land one place and stay there. So I think that will shift and in, in make it make the job market more of a um, sort of like the Airbnb model as opposed to the IBM model, where people are somewhere and they they move up uh, and there there's a certain path. And I think in the way that careers are moving now, it's it tends to not be as linear of a path as it used to be sure. uh, because there are so many different skills that are transferable in this digital economy. Absolutely. So I think that that, um, you know, people aren't, aren't staying as long. So jobs aren't long-term investments like they used to be, which presents a challenge for employees. Uh, but of course it also uh, presents challenges for companies and just having that, institutional knowledge that they used to rely on because, you know, Betty was at her job for 35, 40 years. And Chris, I think also, and I think we're seeing this even more now as Gen Xers become CEOs and and in charge, um, is sort of more ability for, uh, more of a place for returners to the workforce um, Mm -hmm. to come back in since things are becoming, I think, more flexible. Um, and more, you know, opportunity for virtual teams and, and a little bit more flexibility with schedule. I think it's becoming easier for people who are returning to the workforce for them to see a place for themselves in the economy and, and finding a job in the future, I think, will probably become easier for, for people who have made that choice to, to step away from work for a while. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, and I, I, you know, you touch on something that I'm sure is a, a budding conversation right now for a lot of HR executives around uh, returning workforces, um, you know, the reinvention of a role for baby boomers, right, who have probably retired, uh, who may be looking to do something different um, within their time frame as well. So um, I, I'm very curious about ads. Um, I'm sure this is something you guys know very well. You eat, sleep and breathe it. But 
have has there been anything, any aha moments, I would say, in, in your industry that you have known that you would like to give some advice to our CEO listeners and our executive listeners about how they're placing their ads and and what those differences may be for boomers versus a millennial? What sort of things are kind of happening in your space, some kind of maybe new movements or new best practices that you all are seeing that you think um, CEOs and I would even say CMOs uh, of companies should start paying attention to now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing is, is that uh, being authentic in whatever medium that you do use and not having a different message for where you are, uh, whether it's on traditional media or on social media, uh, you want to make sure that you're not one company one place and one in a different company in a different place. Uh, and again, that go, sort of goes back to the jumping on the bandwagon of, of some of these new social media techniques. It's, it's making sure before you invest in something that it's a place where your audience is and then also where, um, where you can really tell your story and really be authentic. Uh, you know, there have been a lot of organizations that have, um, let's say, paid somebody to, to say something or do something, and it always ends up, uh, find, you know, they always end up being found out because we live in, in a world where things are so easy to check. Absolutely. <laughs> and everybody's recording everything and everybody's taking pictures of everything. And so uh, we should always, since the beginning of time, been authentic. But I think the way that uh, the, the media landscape is now you're almost um, required to be that way because if you're not, you'll be very easily found out. And I think just to add to that, being transparent is also going to be huge because you know now the lines are are blurring. You know, we we work in all earned media, but you know the lines are blurring between marketing and and advertising and you know Instagram. There's you know these influencers or these like quote-unquote celebrities and they do the hashtag ad but it's them you know opening a product or using a a vitamin that they've been using but I think it's just being transparent about about who you are and and why you're giving this message um, and just and distinguishing um, you know your your earned work and your earned reputation versus advertising versus social versus content that you've owned and you create Um, so I think just being clear yes well, that wraps up episode 30. I mean, now we are halfway through an incredible and an exciting interview and conversation. And trust me, it gets better in two days. As you know, we will release the second part of our interview with Susan Apgood, the CEO of News Generation Inc. and her counterpart, Kelsey O'Planick. Now, listen, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that you've enjoyed this first part. If you would do us a favor, feel free to go on social media on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and share this interview. Share what you've learned. Share some of the quotes. Share some of the insights that you've had. And you can find us at High Level Wisdom or you can simply go to our website, HighLevelWisdom.com and share with us as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Do you struggle with getting your marketing team to interact with your technology folks and actually create a great marketing strategy? (laughs) Don't worry. Serendipity Interactive is here for you to help you make fortunate discoveries. 
Serendipity Interactive is helping to bring strategy to life by helping executives like yourself make fortunate discoveries for your business by focusing on the future while you maintain the present. If you're ready to make your own fortunate discovery today, feel free to reach out to serendipityinteractive.com. That's serendipityinteractive.com and let them know that you heard this ad on High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders.